clipboard there on your chair so that you can put your put your note sheet on it and follow along with the lesson. Just fill it in, and uh, you'll know what you learned when you left. I, we're real big on you learning the word here. Amen. We want you to know what you learned when you go home. All right. So the word of God is about to be planted like a seed into your heart. The Bible tells us that our heart is the ground that the seed of the word is sown in. And the condition of our heart determines the condition of the harvest that we're going to get. Kevin, would you mind turning me down just a little bit? Maybe I can adjust it. Let me see. That's, that's better. That's better. I feel like I was blaring. Okay. So let's make this faith declaration. You ready? Hold it up in the air. Let's honor the written word. Say this. Say the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. And I'm becoming everything that the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, slap somebody, high five beside you and say, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Amen. Well, today we are on lesson number 41 for the year. The manifested glory of God is what we are focused on all year. How many of you know God manifests His glory sometimes right in the middle of the worst possible situation? He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And so, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. The election, COVID, the president has COVID, uncertainty. They're talking about defunding the police. In fact, I was talking to a police officer who has already um, left the police force and is beginning his own business, who said that they are defunding the police up in near Dallas where he is. Mahaya, I think, is where he said he was from. And uh, I said, okay, so... What are we going to do if there's an emergency situation? Like, what if somebody was breaking in my house and, you know, they try to shoot at me, I try to shoot at them, you know, who do we call? He said, not us. Okay, all right then. Um, so who's going to come and sort out the bodies? I don't know, not us. He said, we don't even have detectives anymore. Yeah. So that can be a little bit concerning, right? I mean, if they have a plan, I think they need to have the plan implemented before we do the defunding. If that's what we're going to do, if we're going to go with a different plan, well, then we need to know what that new plan is that needs to be implemented. But it doesn't seem like that's the way things are happening. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of things going on that can cause us to be um, kind of kind of worried. Lawlessness. Um, is, am I and my family, are we going to be safe? What's going to happen to my 401k? When is all this hate ever going to end? Candidates are throwing mud at each other, but it's even worse than mud. It's like they're throwing hand grenades at each other these days. Candidates for presidency of the United States of America. It was absolutely unbelievable, the debate that we saw this week. Just the news media is pushing us, scaring us, manipulating us. It's uncertainty. You could say that there's a lot of uncertainty. What does uncertainty mean? It's something that is uncertain and causes one to feel uncertain, and it means to doubt. So I wanted to talk to you today about defeating stress and worry in crisis, because you could say at the very least that our nation is in crisis right now. So um, marriages are in trouble since COVID. Number one, COVID is scary. Number two, marriages have been 
under attack during COVID. I cannot believe this, but 34% higher divorce rates, people seeking divorces, 34% higher than it has been before COVID. Murders in Houston are up by 50% since COVID. Murders in New York City are up by 126% since COVID. Aggravated assaults up 21%. You're like, Pastor, I did not come to church to hear this. But I just want to set the stage for where to really say we could really be stressed out right now. We could really, you know, have some concern and, and want to get worried about stuff. You know, in every election year, it gets like this. I remember, you know, just a few years ago when, the, when we were, you know, going for the presidential election, how nervous I felt and how it just seems like there's a spirit uh, that's been released around this election and around every presidential election seems like, but it just, I don't know, maybe because I'm getting older, I just sense it more, but there's just such a sense of dread and stress. What is stress? Let's look at the definition of stress. It's any type of change that causes physical, emotional, or psychological strain. Stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action. It's the stuff that keeps you up at night. Murray woke up the other night at 2 a.m. and I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping good. <laughs> at 5 a.m., I turned over and he thought he's been laying there since 2 a.m. And at 5 a.m., he says, It was 4 30. Okay, it was 4 30. So it was even earlier. It was 4 30. He said, Trump has COVID. <laughs> I'm like, Okay, did he call? <laughs> Does he need me to pray for him? <laughs> so the new rules at the snow house is we don't wake up Pastor Sally unless someone's dead. And, and it has to be a family member, too, that's dead. Or a church member. Or a church member. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> but at 2 a.m., I mean... You know, and I, you know, I've got, I haven't even gotten that call at 11 o'clock at night or in the middle of the night that someone's passed, you know. I just think we could all wait till in the morning, you know, because then you've been up all night crying, all night long. I mean, I just think that that's just, that's just the way I think things should be handled. But I know you get upset and you want to tell somebody right away. But anyway, but we're in, not even talking. In my defense, I've been sitting there staring at you for two and a half hours and I thought I saw movement. <laughs> But it's the, it had had him up since 2 a.m., two and a half hours. He's laying there thinking, you know, about, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean for, of course, he, he you know, is a financial planner. So, you know, he's thinking about the stock market. What is this going to do for his clients that he's invested money for? What, you know, what's, you know, what are stocks going to do? So he's thinking about that from 2 until 4.30. So it's, you know, that's what I'm talking about. It's the stuff that keeps you up at night. The stuff that, that robs you of your sleep. Come on, say stress and worry. Stress and worry. Yeah. So let's look at number one. What's going on in your head can affect your body. The worry itself can be more lethal than what you're worried about. Did you hear me? Stress and worry is a killer on your body. It, is, it affects your health. Headaches, heart disease, hair loss. Sexual dysfunction, uh-oh, weight gain, maxed out adrenal glands. 
You know, I went to the doctor one time because I was so stressed out. Every time I just hear a little noise, it would like scare me like this, and it would feel like an electric shock went through my fingers and toes. And I asked him, I said, what is that? He said, that is adrenaline. And if you don't get control of that, it was caused from stress and from anxiety. If you don't get control of that, you're looking at a stroke or a heart attack. So I was like, whoa, i got to get, you know, he's telling me that stress and worry can take its toll on your body. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. It says, a merry heart or a happy heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. So what is worry? What is worry? The, um, the definition of, of worry is to give way to anxiety and unease. Wow. To give way. That, that tells me I have a choice, right? Amen. To give way to anxiety and unease. To allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. To allow your mind to dwell on. Would you underline that? To dwell on. See, you, you step over into worry, you know, from stress and into worry when you decide I'm going to let this, my mind dwell on this difficulty. I'm going to dwell on this thing. I'm going to visit that emotion every five minutes. And that's really a, a fact that we'll keep visiting an emotion over and over and over because it tells us something's wrong. It's our alarm system in our in our, our makeup that when something goes wrong, you know, stress or worry or alarm raises in it within you. Now what you do with that is your choice after that moment. Let's set some people free today. Okay. Amen. You know, and some people think that they're supposed to worry just because mom and them worry. You know, it it you know, when you worry about someone or something, it, it, it expresses that I care about you. Child, I've been worried about you all night. I've just worried myself sick over you. That expresses I care for you. That's really saying I, I care so much about you. But, but that's not something that we should do is to worry. As a believer, we, we shouldn't be worriers. Amen? It's a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Sometimes we worry about stuff that ain't never even going to happen. That's right. Number two, I want you to get this if you get nothing else today. Worry is unproductive thinking. Come on. What you think about, you eventually will say. What you say is what you become. So it's important that you guard your thoughts. The battlefield is in your mind. Amen? How we perceive things and how we choose to confront those things determines whether we're going to be successful or not. So if Jesus were to title this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, he would say, don't waste your time or your peace worrying. Right. Matthew 6, 25-34. And this is right in the middle of a long sermon Jesus preached. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll eat, or, what, I'm sorry, what you, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear, or who becomes president? Yeah. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They did not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow's thrown into the fire, will he not 
Much more clothe you, O you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what are we going to wear? For the pagans or the unbelievers run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Come on, Pastor. Amen, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number three, don't waste time focusing on whose fault it is. <laughs> Sometimes we spend a lot of energy. Soon as something happens, soon as something's about to happen, soon as we think something might happen, we want to blame it on somebody. And blame doesn't fix anything. But it's our go-to when something goes wrong. Look at Genesis 3, 12 through 13. It started with the first man and woman, so don't feel bad. And husbands and wives, y'all just stare straight ahead. If y'all are having that kind of difficulty in your home, just stare straight ahead. Don't say amen or elbow anybody. Genesis 3, 12 through 13. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, now see, he's blaming God. You gave me this woman, I find till you sent this woman here. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I hate. So what blame does is blame gives me a focus to hate. And hate is unproductive. Hate is unproductive and it's illegal. It's illegal. Hate, to feel and foster intense or passionate dislike for someone or something. I heard about a man who'd been in a car wreck. And this other man pulled up on the side of the road. He was young and he saw this was a terrible accident. He runs over to the car that looks the most affected. And here's this man sitting in a car. The windshield is all broken up, glass all over the place. The man's got cuts all over his head and his face. And he said, sir... Would you like me to call the police? He said, no, call an ambulance. Y'all missed that. Yeah. Call an ambulance. You know, when you're wrecked and when you're hurt, I don't care whose fault it is. I'm wrecked and I'm hurt and I need this fixed. Amen? So um, it doesn't matter who caused the wreck. What matters is that I'm wrecked and my head is bleeding. So, so, so many times we have a tendency to focus on who to blame instead of how to get better. So we got to prioritize what's most important and focus your energy there. That's why even when something happens in your life and it seems like this is a devastating situation, I mean, things happen in our lives. It causes us to be stressed. You know, people die. Things, things happen. You lose a job. You lose a child. Things, things happen that cause us to be stressed out. But we can't focus. In that moment, you focus on the why and not the what. You can't focus on why this happened because you'll never figure it out. But if you focus on what just happened, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to clean this up? How, how do we fix what's going on right here, right now? You have to get past the why, step into the now, into the what. The why is back here. The what is right here. And then how, God, do you want me to move forward? Right. Amen. Amen. You have to decide. Okay, I'm going to cry, but then I'm going to cry my last here and I'm going to figure out how to dust myself off and get up and move forward out of the situation. Amen. Amen. I've had to do it myself. I've had to tell myself, girl, you can cry later. 
Right now is not the time to cry. Right now you've got to get up and bust a move. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So, you know, we can't get stuck in this, this emotion, this, this um, unproductive emotional cycle of being stressed out and worried. It's like being stuck in the mud. You ever been stuck in the mud or in the snow and your wheels are just spinning? There's a whole lot of movement, a whole lot of action going on, but you're going nowhere. See, that's what worry and stress is like. It's a lot of action going on right here. A whole lot of action, but you're not moving anywhere because you're stuck in the worry and you're stuck in the stress. Amen. So we, we don't want to have lots of activity and no progress. So we want to avoid, you know, um, you know, saying whose fault is it and, and all those kinds of things because that's not going to get you anywhere. All right, number four. Focus your thoughts intentionally out of worry and into faith. So when you're worried and you're anxious and you're constantly getting information thrown at your face, and right now, y'all, we're all under attack with all this information that's coming from the left, from the right, from the middle, from the back. It's coming from everywhere. There's information being hurled at us. Commercials and, and social media, everybody's got their own opinion and their own, you know, stuff. Stuff is being, being, so we have to counteract that intentionally. You have to, you know, restrict what you decide you're going to, you know, let in or not. And I talked to Pastor Carolyn yesterday, and she said that she's even been off Facebook since um, the George Floyd um, incident happened. That uh, she's been off Facebook since then, and she has her reasons for that. But, you know, I thought, you know, ever since that happened, I've sort of not been on Facebook that much. I'll put a post here or there because I don't want all that information being right. thrown at me. Right. Because, you know, once you see it, you see it. Right. Yep. It's already read. <laughs> At the time, it's like, wow, I wish I wouldn't have let that in. But, you know, so I think we need to limit the amount of information and stuff that we're allowing in. And that means being intentional. Being intentional. We have to be intentional. Look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, be anxious for what? Nothing, Nothing but in everything. everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. If we'll just get grateful... For yes. where we are and what yes. we have. Yes. That goes yes. a long way towards yes. not being stressed out. Because yes. when you get stressed out and you get worried, you're worried about what you're going to lose. You're worried about what's not going to be great after whatever you think is going to happen happens. But instead, you say, God, I thank you for who I am right now. I thank you for what you've done for me already. Thank you, God, for all that I have today. All the blessings that we have today. Amen. But, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And look what happens. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what does that, that word anxious mean? Be anxious, careful, take thought. Uh, so don't, don't take so much thought on stuff. Don't let these commercials play over and over in your mind. Interrupt them intentionally, on purpose. Uh, the root word means distraction, to be anxious. To be anxious is to be distracted. And it means solitude, to make you feel like you're by yourself. Message translation. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. I love that. Let petitions and praises shape your worries. Change those worries into a petition and a praise to God. Um, and to prayers, letting God know your concerns before you know it. And remember, He already knows what you need before you ask Him. Amen. It says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness 
everything coming together for good. Even if bad things do happen, what does the Bible say? All things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Even if the enemy means it for bad, God will turn it around and make it work for good in my life. Amen. I ain't like everybody else. I ain't like the world. I belong to God. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. On, and He has a way of taking bad situations and turning it around and making it into something good. Making it a masterpiece in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Have you ever seen people like that? Who just, they're just good whatever they go through. They don't lose their joy, they're just stable. And that's the way God wants us to be. So look at Philippians 4, 8. Look what he says right after this. He says, finally, brethren, remember it's intentional. Focus your thoughts intentionally out of worry and into faith. Look what he says in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what the, the Apostle Paul is saying, you got to shift. Don't just let those anxious thoughts and those worries hang around in your mind. You have to intentionally shift to things, okay? It's got to all run through this filter of, is it, is it true? It might be true, but is it noble? Is, it might be true and noble, but is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Maybe it's just not lovely. Amen. There's no virtue in it. Maybe it's, maybe it's just not a good report about somebody. You know, I'm just not going to let these things float around in my head. I'm not going to let this commercial, the devil's commercial, just keep playing over and over in my head. I'm intentionally going to shift to the goodness of God, shift to His Word, shift to uh, taking authority over the devil who wants to come into your thought life and wreck your life by way of your thoughts. He comes through thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Look, it says in 2 Timothy 1, 6-7, it says, That is why I would remind you, to stir up, kindle the embers of, fan the flame of. It's intentional, isn't it? If you're going to keep a fire burning, this is an intentional. Fires don't keep themselves burning, do they? It's intentional. We have to be intentional about staying in faith. He says, fan the flame of and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. A spirit of timidity. See, a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity would like to get a hold of you and cancel your faith out. So you're not the powerful person God created you to be. That's what the devil would like to do, but we don't let him do it. So God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So discipline, self-control, is intentional. We have to be intentional about what we allow ourselves to think on. So we have to pull ourselves intentionally out of this fear, out of the stress, out of the worry, get control of ourselves, and uh, and, and cast, cast it down. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting some of your care upon him, because he kind of cares for you. Look, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Look at it in the Amplified. I love this. It says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, 
on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So he says, cast it on me. I don't want you staying up all night worrying about that. We have to, we have to get to the place where we have so much faith that you know we say, God, if you're going to be up all night anyway, I'm, he never sleeps or slumbers, the Bible says. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give this to you, Father. And I declare, listen, you need to remember this scripture. I don't know the address, but you've got to remember this scripture. He gives his beloved sleep. They will lie down and their sleep will be sweet. Confess that over yourself when you go to bed at night. I thank you, Father, for sweet sleep all night long. Amen. He watches over you. He sings over you. He rejoices over you. Amen. So cast it all on him. You know, Peter is the one who just wrote that. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Peter's the one that, that Jesus prayed for because he knew he was going to deny him. He said, Lord, I'm ready to die for you. He said, are you Peter? Are you really? He said, before the night's over, the, the cock's going to crow. Before he, the cock crows, you will have denied me three times that you even know me. That had to make an impression on Peter. But Jesus told him, he said, Peter, Peter. He says your name twice, you better listen. He said, Peter, Peter. He said, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you like wheat. He said, but I've prayed for you. And when, you re when you've recovered, strengthen your brethren. And so, guess what? The same Jesus that prayed for Peter that day is Ooh. praying for you and me. On, the same one that prayed and said, no, yeah. Satan, not today, playboy. Uh-uh. Hallelujah. Look, Hebrews 7, 25, it says, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, through whom Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He ever lives to make intercession for you and me. Amen. That means Jesus is always praying for us. Hallelujah. Just like he prayed for Peter, he's praying for you and me. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 15. Here you go. Here goes Peter again. He says, don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Sounds like it's got to be intentional, doesn't it? Got to be intentional. It says, yeah, yeah. Don't give the opposition a second thought. I love that. Don't give it a second thought. Don't give it a second thought. Okay, it might get there one time, but you're not going to get a second chance. I'm not, I recognize it as a fiery dart. I recognize it as the enemy talking to me. I recognize it as a spirit of fear trying to grab hold of me so that I won't be in faith. Number five, constantly irrigate your mind with the overcoming truth. Irrigate. You gotta the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter five how the washing of the water by the word, the gentle washing of the water by the word, that Jesus presents himself a glorious church without spot or spot or blemish, because of the washing of the water by the word. He always washes the, the church in the word. So as we wash in the word, as we irrigate our minds in the word of God, the word is like water, the washing of the water by the word. The word is like water. Amen. As we wash our minds with the word of God, 
You know, you, when you get, when you know you're under attack, when you know that you're in fear, when you know that you're worrying, you know that you're stressed out, you know, you've got to stop and, and do some things. And so you've got to irrigate. Look at, at Romans 12, 2. It says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I can transform my whole situation by just renewing my mind. It says, but be transformed by the entire renewing of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. You know, you can be pitiful or you can be powerful. You've got to decide which one you're going to be because you cannot be both. Amen. It says, by its new ideals, <clears throat> excuse me, and its new attitude, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He wants you to prove that his perfect will is that you be blessed in life and not be stressed out and worried. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. Isaiah 41.10. What does he say here? So I've got to irrigate myself with the truth. Here's some of the truth. You ready for some truth? Come here comes some truth. He says, fear not for I am with you. Yeah. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Glory to God. So whatever's coming my way. God's got me. Amen. Will you turn and tell your neighbor and say, look, don't trip. God's got you. Don't John 14, 27. Listen to what Jesus said. Look, let's, let's irrigate our mind with the truth right quick. John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Would y'all underline let? Do not let your hearts be troubled. See, sometimes we choose it. We go all the way out into it. You know, ships don't sink because they're in the middle of water. Ships sink when the water gets on the inside of them. So there could be water all around us. There's chaos all around it. Just don't let the chaos get in on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither Come on, y'all got to help me preach better than that. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them, be afraid. let them be afraid. So don't let your heart be troubled, and don't let your heart be afraid. Don't allow it. Amen? That means you have control over your heart. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Did Jesus say, Behold, I give unto you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you? Did he tell you that? If he told you that, he meant that. And so you're a bad somebody. So you ought to straighten your shoulders up a little bit, hold your head up a little bit higher, and the devil ought to be afraid when you throw your first leg out of the bed in the morning. He ought to say, Oh, no, she's up. Amen. So don't allow yourself, don't permit yourself, do not permit yourself, do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. The truth is we have a choice. Come on, Pastor. You don't have to be anxious and nervous and worried. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. 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 Delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. So whenever you're feeling fearful, or you're feeling nervous, or you're feeling agitated, or you're feeling, you know, stressed out or worried, you know, I sought the Lord. What did he say? I sought the Lord. And he heard me. See, the last thing we want to do is to go to God. It goes against everything we're feeling. Everything I'm feeling is I'm stressed out. 
Everything I'm feeling is, I'm tired. Everything I'm feeling is, what's going to happen? Oh, my God. And we get all in this feeling, and it goes against our feeling to, to seek the Lord. But that's the very thing that we that we have to do. You know, your, your flesh is never going to want to seek God. Your flesh is never going to want to praise. Your flesh is never going to say, oh, goody, it's prayer time. Your flesh doesn't want to do any of that. But your spirit on. on the inside of you wants to seek God and knows that it should seek God. But you've got to win the war between your flesh and your spirit. You have to win over your, actually your soul. You've got to win the war and choose with your chooser. My first pastor's wife did say, you've got a chooser right here. You can go with flesh or you can go with spirit. And sometimes she'd say, uh-oh, I think your chooser got switched. <laughs> So, you know, you, you have to choose. I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to seek Him with almost, seek Him till this thing lives. Amen? Acts 26.2, Paul said, what? I think myself happy. First yes. Samuel 30 and verse 6. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This is after all his mighty men that he just been battling with. Because all the women and children, all their stuff got stolen by, by people. They come home and they've they won the battle, but they get home and all the women are gone. All the children are gone. All their stuff is gone. And they were going to stone David. They cried, the Bible says, they cried until they had no more tears to cry. But it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He, he called for the ephod. He said, bring me the ephod so that I can see God in this situation. So whatever the situation is that we're stressed out about, even if it's the, the, the election I'm going to seek you, Father God. I'm going to seek you in this situation. I need you to talk to me and settle me so that I'm in peace. See, if you're not in peace, you can't hear from God. You've got to be in peace so that you can hear the Spirit of God. Psalm 94, 19. In the multitude of my anxious thoughts within me, your comforts cheer and delight my soul. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate me. Whatever it is, it cannot separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matthew 6.31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Do you see what Jesus is saying there? Take no thought, saying. See, don't take the thought and then say it out of your mouth. Because then you're creating it with your mouth. Right. Which is the last thing that we want to do. Amen? So take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? So don't take the thought. Don't take the thought. Do you hear me? Don't take the thought. Number six. Intentionally take the ancient thoughts captive. Intentionally. There's that word again. Intentionally take Take the anxious thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What's a stronghold? Let's look and see what a stronghold is. You see the definition there? Stronghold is mental thought patterns erected against the true knowledge of God's will for your life. See, the devil wants to get a stronghold right here in your mind. He wants to erect a, a lie in your head. You ain't never going to make it. 
This is all you're ever going to have. This is all you're ever going to be. Nobody in your family ever got past this. You won't get past it either. See, it puts a stronghold in your mind or that you should just worry. It might be a stronghold in your mind that you're supposed to worry. It communicates care if I worry. That's stronghold. Stronghold is something in your mind that's been erected that keeps you from receiving the truth of God's word. It, and produces, these strongholds produce behavior that um, causes you to not live God's best. So that's why you've got to have repetitious information. Constantly going in. Repetitious information. You've got to keep the word. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Because what you hear on a repetitious basis will birth your belief system. And your belief system will dictate your behavior or how you live. Amen. So, glory to God. So, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, these mental thought patterns, casting down arguments and every high thing that erects itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So when you feel yourself laying there at night and you keep thinking over and over and over and over about these same old things, you have to intentionally say, you know what? I'm under attack in my mind. I'm going to take those thoughts captive, and I'm going to focus on the goodness of God. You know, maybe some of you are believing God for a job, and you know, you're just worried, like, how am I going to pay my bills? How, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to keep the lights on? How am I going to keep my car from being repossessed? How, how, am, I, how am I going to do these things? You know, when you just continue to, to, to worry over those things, you've got to remember what Peter said. Cast all your cares over on him. You have to make a decision to intentionally say, God, I cast these cares over on you. I interrupt this commercial plane in my mind. I take it captive now. And you can't just take it captive. you got to speak God's word in its place. Yeah. I thank you, Father. The vine will not fail to bear fruit for me in the field. Thank you, Father God, that, that uh, I'm a tither and a giver. So, Lord, you open up doors of opportunity for me in Jesus' name. I'm a child of God. So I'm blessed when I go in. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So you just continue to, to confess what God's word says and, and tear down every stronghold. Once you recognize there's a stronghold there, you just, every argument against the knowledge of God, with the knowledge of his word, every argument that the devil brings to your mind, you've got to tear it down. You have to be, you, have to, you are the CEO of yourself. Chief Executive Officer, you are the COO, the Chief Operating Officer of yourself. We have to learn how to manage ourselves and manage our, by managing our thought life. All right, y'all ready for the last one? Yeah. We'll get y'all out here with some change back. What time is it? 11.56. 11.56, y'all get the change back today. <laughs> All right, number seven, give yourself permission to rest. When you get stressed out, you need, you need to make sure that you rest. And sometimes you get stressed out because you haven't rested. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So give yourself permission to rest. You know, you can even let the situation lie for a minute, but some things do require our attention. Do so you know what? It's going to still be there in the morning. I'm just going to rest. Amen. Just, just give myself some time to rest. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. What does Jesus say? Y'all don't fold up your note sheet yet. We're not through. I said like a true Louisiana. We ain't through. There's no R in there. We just ain't through, y'all. Okay. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, Come to me, 
All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, look at Jesus. We're going to learn from Jesus. How was Jesus during the stress of the boat almost sinking? He was asleep on the pillow in the stern. He said, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? Jesus was sleeping right through the storm. He was at peace. Amen? Acts 3.19 says, Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And that's why it's called restoration. Restoration. You got it? That's why it's called restoration. So it can, you get restored when you rest. rest. You've got to get some rest and just some time in Jesus. Amen? And then you know what? Y'all remember this too. I'm like, why is everybody so stressed out right now? Is this a spirit that's been released? What, what is going on? You know, you have a meltdown left and right. What, what in the world is going on here? People giving up on marriages and, and stuff. And you know what? We, we kind of have to rebuild our stamina a little bit. We've been on quarantine for five months. Yes. Seven, seven months. That's correct. Correction. Quarantine for seven months. You know we've been we've been um, uh, napping and Netflixing <laughs> for seven months. So we have to kind of build up our stamina again. You know, it's kind of like how when you come back from vacation, and that's usually a week or two. But we've been you know seven months, so we have to kind of build up our stamina again. But but uh, if we wait on the Lord, He'll strengthen us. Amen? Amen. All right. Anybody learn anything today? Amen. Amen. Well, if you're dealing with stress, worry, anxiety, I want you to stand up. I'm standing here first because I've been dealing with it myself. You've been standing. You've been worried, worrying. You've been stressed out. You've been, you know, not sleeping at night. Come on, stand up if that's you. I just want you to stand up if you have been having to be worrying over your health. Worrying over, you know, a loved one. Just being worried. You're just worried. Anxious. Let's just run it off. Amen? Let's run that spirit of fear away. Yes, love. We have a saying in the snow house, right? Yes. What is it? We don't get stressed out. We don't panic. Oh, we don't panic. Okay, yeah. <laughs> There's a difference between stress and panic. Okay. <laughs> so I'm different my dad talking. When things get difficult, you just sit back, don't freak out, don't panic, you just think it out. It helps a lot. Yes. I mean, you can't be stressed. It's just fun. Don't freak out. Look at the chicken with his head cut off. Yeah, right? no tripping. Tell no that, tripping. Tell her that like once a week. Snows don't freak out. <laughs> what was I freaking out? Was I freaking out? No, because you're zero snow. He stopped me before I start. We don't freak out. We're snowed, remember? We don't have to be. Oh, that's right, yes. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's deal with this spirit of timidity, this spirit of fear. This, uh, we come against it now in the name of Jesus. We bind it in the name of Jesus. We bind every bit of stress. We bind every bit of anxiety. I want you to just lift your hands and just a, a sign of surrender, a sign of freedom. Shake it off. Just shake it off and declare this does not belong to me. Everybody say this. Say, I rebuke. I rebuke. And bind up. And, bind and send up. away. The spirit of fear, timidity, anxiety, worry. Go now. Get out of my life. Get out of my head. In Jesus' name. I declare. 
being worried. I will win. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a comfort. Through Christ Jesus, nothing, and I mean nothing, can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We also talked about the media wants us to freak out, right? Every storm, you notice every song is the worst one of all time. They make you believe that everybody that doesn't look like hates each other, and that's the farthest thing from the truth. Yeah. Did you see that thing was a grain of salt? Yeah. I, I tell you, one of the funniest things we saw on TV was this, and I'm going to pray. Is uh, we were watching. It was a hurricane. One of the hurricanes, and the newscaster's going like this, and he's trying yeah. to give, you know, say that he's in the middle of this hurricane, and these two guys. I walk by him like this. Just <laughs> <laughs> walk like normal. He's like. Hilarious. And their hair wasn't even blown. Their hair wasn't even blown. And he's like, ah. hilarious. See, they try to get us all worked up. Don't let them get us worked up. You know, we just need to see through the eyes of God. You know, see things the way he sees things. I want you to go ahead and be seated again. Very holy moment right now. As we take a moment to receive Christ. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. You'd say today, you know, Pastor Sally, I'm far away from God, honestly. Maybe you turned away from God, and now you're just at the place where you're ready to turn back. That's a wonderful thing. We said at the beginning of this year, uh, my apostle said that this was the year of the prodigal. The prodigals who've gone away, of them coming back. And we've been calling them back since the beginning of the year. Every child of God that's wandered off and gotten lost, we've called them back. Amen? So if that's you today, it's an exciting day for you to return to Jesus. Well, I want to pray with you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and I want to lead you in a very simple prayer of salvation. This is the prayer of salvation. Salvation is a free gift, but it wasn't free. It cost Jesus. See, we, we owe a debt. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, every single one of us. You, you can't say, well, I'm not that bad because I'm not as bad as somebody else. I, you know, I've never killed anybody or, you know, I'm not that bad. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably okay with God. But see, God doesn't compare us to one another. He compares us to his own righteousness. And the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible also tells us that the wages of sin or the penalty for being a sinner, and we're all sinners, the penalty for being a sinner is death. But the good news of the gospel is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We can receive the free gift of salvation. He gives it to us for free. All he asks for us to do is to believe and receive and allow him to become the Lord of our lives. In other words, I'm not driving anymore, God, you are. I'm not doing things my way anymore, God. I'm going to get in your word and I'm going to seek to find your way so that I can live my life pleasing you with it and for the purpose that he created us for. Amen. So that's you this morning. You say, Pastor Sally, please pray for me. I want to be born again. I want to know Christ. I want to go to heaven. I want to, I want to be a, a child of God. Well, I'm going to pray with you now. This is a very holy moment, very reverent moment. God's been waiting. The Bible says that all of heaven uh, rejoices when just one person turns to God. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just repeat after me. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up, sometimes on purpose, and sometimes I 
Jesus came and died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you got to let somebody know. Nobody gets to sneak into heaven. Jesus said, if you, if you will confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father.